0: The following program is an advertisement paid for by Colorado Dreamhouse Team and Guild Mortgage. We live in one of the hottest real estate markets in the country. The Denver metro area has a lot going on, and we're here to break it all down. Dan Palomino and Gary Lorman, the Colorado Dreamhouse Team. All your questions answered with none of the hot air. Welcome to Colorado Dreamhouse Radio on News Talk Seven Ten. K-N-U-S.
1: Good Sunday morning. Great to have you here on the show today. And my name is Gary Lorman, and normally it would be Dan Palomino, my business partner, and myself as co-hosts. But Dan is enjoying some time away in Hawaii, so today we have a special guest with us, Adam O'Rourke. Adam is a longtime personal friend and also an attorney here in Denver. Welcome, Adam.
2: That's right. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you here. So Adam is going to, as our as our topic today, Adam is going to address some legal issues and when coming to deal with residential real estate. So if you have any questions or anything you want to ask Adam directly, uh, you could give the give us a call here on the show at three zero three. 696 1971 again, 303-696-1971, and Adam will try to address those questions directly. He's also going to address a number of topics with regard to questions that, that come up quite frequently that he deals with every day. So we'll start that out, but you, again, you're welcome to call and, and address any personal questions you have. If you're new to the show, this is Colorado Dream House Radio. Again, my name is Gary Lorman, and uh, along with my business partner Dan Palomino, we are the Colorado Dream House team. We are a residential real estate team in Denver, a team of eight. We with Keller Williams DTC, and we close about 100 transactions a year. If we can ever help you or anyone you know with any residential real estate needs, either buying, selling, investing. We have over 50 combined years of experience in the Denver area and surrounding areas, and we'd love to help you any way we can. You can reach us at 720-446-6325. Again, 720-446-6325. Or go to ColoradoDreamhouse.com And again, we'd love to help you with any of your real estate needs. So the purpose of our show is, is really to deal with local real estate issues. We're not a national show, we're a local show. So we're dealing with Denver real estate only. So this is, this is what we try to do every week. We try to break it down and, and be here for you to give you information and hopefully help you with, with any of your real estate needs. We have a, uh, the poll question. Every week we do a poll question. If you don't know what that is, and you can actually vote on the poll question by going to Colorado Dream House Team on your Facebook page, and make sure you like the page, and then vote, and we'll give you the results at the end of the show. The poll question question today is: What is the primary reason you attend an open house? A. Interested in that particular home. B. Personal enjoyment. A lot of people get a lot of fun just walking through houses. That's right. They do. I've never understood that, but (laughs) maybe because I've done it for 40 years. That's right. Uh, C, compare that home to your home, or D, you do not attend open houses. And that would be my vote. I do not attend open houses, unless I'm doing them. Yeah, you run them, right? (laughs) But um, And so far, the results from what I see, are we're running neck and neck between interested in that particular home and how that home compares to your personal property, so your personal home. So they're running neck and neck right now. So, again, if you'd like to vote on the, um, on the poll question, we'd love to have you participate. Go to your Facebook page, look up Colorado Dream House team, and go ahead and vote on that. We also do a trivia question every week. And the trivia question this week is, Alaska is, and don't answer this if you know it. Okay, people are I don't. Call, people are going to call in on this. Great. All right. All right. The trivia question this week is, Alaska is, A, the northernmost state in the U.S., B, the westernmost state in the U.S., C, the easternmost state in the U.S., or D, all of the above? If you think you know the answer, call us at 303-696-1971. And if you have the right answer, you can win a $25 Amazon gift card. Compliments of the Colorado Dreamhouse team. So, again, Alaska is A, the northernmost state of the U.S., B the westernmost state of the U.S., C the easternmost state of the U.S., or D all of the above. So our third segment of the show today will be uh, it's traditionally Andy the Mortgage Man. So Andy's with Guild Mortgage, and mm-hmm. he's either here in the studio with us or calls in, and you know so we always get some great information on on sure. what's going on in the mortgage industry. Um, now it seems like Andy's on vacation too. So I don't know what it is about, uh, you know, people taking vacations, but you and I are here in the studio.
2: Yeah, that's right. You know. That's right. I'll switch seats and act like Andy there this morning. Go. How about that? <laughs> All
1: right. Sounds good. You could be our Andy. That's right. But, but actually Steve, who's Andy's business partner, will be calling in in place of Andy. Wonderful. So we'll have Steve, the mortgage man. He'll be in our, in our third segment. I think he's going to be talking about chaffle loans today. Okay, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then in our final segment, we will have what we call our stump the pros question. And what that is, is it's a question that is, um, it's usually written in or, or somebody emails us a question during the week. And we try to address it on the air, you know, each week. Mm-hmm. So we'll have that. And then we'll have uh, what we call factor fiction. And these are usually three abstract factor fiction questions that we put out there. You know, they, have, they absolutely have no meaning to anybody. And, <laughs> you know, people could care less, but they're kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, so those will be our uh, those will be our that's the breakdown of the show. So, we have a busy show on tap today, and um, so let's kick it off with uh, with our topic, which is really legal issues regarding residential real estate. And again, I, I really want to welcome Adam O'Rourke. Adam has his own law firm; it's O'Rourke O'Rourke Law Firm. And um, again, I've known Adam for a long time. He's a great guy, and he's a great attorney. And he's going to uh, he's going to try to break it down when it comes to legal issues. Uh, one thing I do want to do, and I, I guess I do need to do this, uh, put out a disclaimer. Um, so, I, you know, I, I if you've listened to the show again, I'm the one that always does disclaimers. So, <laughs> uh, and I just want to say this, and the, the only reason I'm doing this is because we are doing giving out legal opinions on the show and what I'm gonna say is the views and opinions expressed by the show hosts and guest hosts are exactly that opinions using the best of our knowledge based on facts that we have found no opinions expressed are to be taken as representation to any particular listener and or particular real estate transaction and again the reason I I say that and we don't usually say that every week but is because we are dealing with legal issues, and, and Adam is an attorney, but um, we don't want anybody to think that they are he's actually representing them if they call in with a question. That's correct. Now, if mm-hmm. you do want Adam to represent you, we will be giving his information at the end of the show, mm-hmm. and you can call him directly, and he'd be happy to sit down with you and talk to
2: you. That's correct as well. So
1: why don't you take it from here?
2: Well, thanks, Gary. I appreciate the opportunity to be here to kind of talk about some of the normal legal issues that I uh, come up with, and again, uh, this is just a you know common common questions that I hear, and, and some some general information about uh, directions that you can take on some of these issues, and and uh, just to kind of give you an opportunity to kind of think about these things as you're moving forward. Uh, the Orook Law Firm, we do a lot of uh, business and estate planning uh, representation, and we uh, deal with real estate within that quite a bit, just because of the fact that real estate is m- most people's main asset. Mm-hmm. And a number of our businesses also like to you know, invest in properties as well as, a, as another investment tool. Um, but one of the main residential questions that I get is, uh, should I add my kids as an owner of my home? Meaning actually giving them uh, a, a deed inter- interest uh, in the home and and when my client comes in and, and I start to speak with them about why they want to do that, we're certainly looking at an estate planning uh, scenario. Um, but my, my normal uh, response is we should really be cautious about doing this um, because there are a number of uh, different uh, issues that can arise, and, and there's two, two major ones that really come, come to the fore uh, one is uh, creditor issues. Um, one of the things that uh, you, as a as a parent, really don't follow probably is exactly what sort of debts uh, all of your kids have had, and of course you probably know about many of them because they probably talk to you about them if uh, if they're uh, planning to take on any type of debt. But um, as as the years go along, those debts can start to add up, and if you add them to your um, your property, and they're actually a co-owner of yours, if there in, ends up being any issues with any of those debts, it could potentially put your house at risk because then they're an owner of it. And when, when we run into that sort of uh, situation, uh, there's a creditor could potentially uh, go for a judgment against the um, your kids, and then they would put a lien on your property. And when they do that, it makes it hard to sell, refinance. Um, or even do any other types of ownership arrangements. If you wanted to change the beneficiaries of your home at that point, you'd still have to deal with the judgment. And if that was the case, then you might have to pay off, pay off the judgment before you could sell the home uh, to move into assisted living or into another home uh, as you continue to you know, develop your own uh, estate and your own plans ar- around real estate.
1: Okay, so it's not a great idea to put your kids on title at this point. It's <laughs> not. That's exactly right. Okay. And, and the
2: other reason, and I do want to touch on this real quick, is uh, taxes. Uh, uh, you may have heard of uh, basis, and right. essentially, what basis is, is the amount that you've paid for the property, uh, your equity in the home, plus a, a few other factors that uh, you know we won't discuss just for time's sake. But um, uh, when you do that, when you make your child a co-owner, um, uh, at that point, you actually get them that same basis, and so say you bought a home for sixty thousand dollars and you paid cash. That's your basis in that home, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and that's the basis that your your kids will carry forward from that point on. Now, um, if you were to pass away and then deed your deed your property to them at that point, uh, they would get what's called a step up in basis, and so that would be a basis up to the fair market value of that home. And so, if at your death the home is worth two hundred forty thousand dollars the kids get that basis, the $240,000 as their basis. And, um, and so uh, just to think about a couple of complications there, if you sold the home to them at this point for $60,000 and then at your death they chose to sell the home at $240,000, they'd be talking about um, $180,000 in taxable income to them in that year that they sold that home. But if they take the the property after after you've passed away at two hundred forty thousand dollars basis and sold that home at two hundred forty thousand, then they wouldn't have a taxable uh, event as far as that that income goes. So there's that tax uh, uh, issue that could kind of rise arise there, and so we want to try and uh, really uh, assess that risk. and And one of the ways that we can actually go ahead and avoid all of that issue, the taxes and um, the creditor issues, is actually doing a beneficiary's deed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the state of Colorado, you're allowed to name someone who will take the home after your death, uh, and so you can file that or record that with the pro- real property int- uh, records.
1: Okay. Well, I, and I want to talk more about the beneficiary deed uh, when we get back. And I believe we have a we get a caller on the on our question. All right, Desi, we'll get back to you as soon as we get back from our break. Thank you very much.
0: We now return to Colorado Dreamhouse Radio with Dan Palomino and Gary Lorman on News Talk 710
1: KNUS. Again, good Sunday morning. It is a beautiful Sunday morning out there. Blue skies, cold, but uh, the mountains look great with the snow on them. And uh, if you're just tuning in, my name is Gary Lorman and Dan Palomino, my business partner, is off today. But uh, we've got a guest co-host here, Adam O'Rourke. Adam is a friend of mine and an attorney here in town. But uh, let's take a call from Jesse in Arvada. Jesse's got a guess on our trivia question. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. How are you doing? Great. How about yourself? Doing well, thank you. Good. So, what what's the guess on our trivia question? Uh, northernmost state. Uh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> sorry about that, Jesse. But we wouldn't wouldn't Hawaii be the westernmost? Well, you know, I I I can't say at this point, but <laughs> it may, you know, uh, but yeah, but it definitely is not the northernmost. I mean, all right. But I appreciate your calling in, and I pre- appreciate you listening too. Thank you very much. All right, much. thank you. All righty, bye bye. Um, all right, so we were talking with with Adam about um, the beneficiary deed as a way to um, for transferring property, mm-hmm. you know, during a a, a death situation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, is it? Am I correct in saying that a beneficiary, is a beneficiary with a beneficiary deed? you're still subject to regular estate taxes. Is that correct?
2: Yes, you are. So one of the reasons that the... The beneficiary's deed is used is essentially to be able to transfer that asset as soon as that death occurs. So what happens after normally happens after a death is that you have to go through the probate process, Mm -hmm. and that's opening up a a case with the with the state court or the county court, indicating that um, this person has passed away and that you're going to administer and handle and distribute all of the assets. And that takes a, a time because you've got to notice creditors, you've got to notice um, beneficiaries. You also have to go, uh, go through the accounting and inventory of all of those assets before you actually get to make that distribution. The beneficiary deed allows you to make that immediately by filing the uh, death certificate as well, or recording the death certificate in that in that chain of title, that automatically transfers that asset to the individual who's going to start using it in whatever fashion at that point. The beneficiary deed does not get rid of um, the potential for having some sort of estate tax liability, because of the fact that there's still an interest uh, from the actual the, the current owner in the property, because that beneficiary deed doesn't become active until death, right. and so they the the person who's living in the home continues to own that home, have all of the rights to use it, um, finance it, uh, change it however they want, and in fact they could in, uh, they could also record another beneficiary's deed that uh, changes the, the original beneficiary deed at that point. So Without even
1: acknowledging the first beneficiary.
2: Uh, yes, exactly. Yep. They, could, okay. they could essentially revoke that deed and, mm-hmm. and, and create a different beneficiary on it. And so because they have those ownership interests, the tax burdens don't change mm-hmm. uh, from that perspective.
1: So when they go through probate and you have a beneficiary deed, all you're doing is removing that aspect of the estate out of probate, correct?
2: That's correct. So your
1: rest, the rest of your estate is going to go through probate.
2: Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, can you use a beneficiary deed on a property that's not your primary residence? Uh,
2: you can, but uh, it it, it, it when we're talking about estate plan, estate planning, it gets a little bit more difficult because of the fact that when um, you set up your estate plan, you've got to you've got to handle the the assets where they're located. Mm-hmm. And so when it's uh, always comes to real estate, um, you you want to look at what county you have to open up there. And then of course, if there if 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 you have your home in the state of Colorado or this home that you, you've got the beneficiary's deed and you live in a different state, mm-hmm. those state laws will affect how that beneficiary's deed will work because of the fact that you have to do what's called ancillary uh, probate because you'd have to essentially open probate here to handle what, what to do with that asset here in Colorado.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. So that's a good option then. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, um, so what are, what are some other, uh, questions that you get on a daily basis regarding real estate transactions?
2: Sure. Since we're going to have a, a, a lender coming in, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, mortgage insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the questions that I get on a regular basis is, who does mortgage insurance protect? And uh, mortgage insurance isn't really necessary a protection in in that regard, but that's the word that a lot of people use mm-hmm. when they come in into my office. And essentially, uh, the, the the reason that we purchase mortgage insurance is to continue the lending process into the future, and and uh, and so when when mortgage insurance becomes important is when a borrower gets into a situation when they're having a hard time making their month to month payment, um, and, and when in that situation if, if those month to months continue to those payments continue to not be made. Uh, that loan will go into default. And then mortgage insurance company is set up to be able to to backfill for that period of time when when the lender and and the, now the borrower are trying to figure out what to do on this on this note. It's essentially it gives cash flow during that period of time so that the lender continued to, to do its business, its regular operations in, in place of not having those funds from the, from that payment, that month to month payment that it would otherwise receive.
1: So it's covering the lender, not the, not the, the, the borrower.
2: That's correct. That's what a lot of people right. have an issue with because they think, well, I've defaulted, they gotten paid on the insurance claim and I get to walk away. It's not, uh, it's not like most other insurances in that way where they pay, for the car accident, and, and you don't have to pay out in that regard. Mortgage insurance is really just a, uh, a, a, trying to cover a slice, a slice, uh, and p- a period of time uh, while that that loan is uh, either um, you know uh, refinanced, um, foreclosed upon, or any other way that the lender and borrower choose to to handle that.
1: You know, we're actually starting to. I, I got a call from a company that we work with just this past week, and we actually got a call on a foreclosed property. Mm-hmm. in Denver, and so we may start seeing that again. You know, yes. Uh, yeah. We hadn't seen them in a number of years because the market's been so brisk. Yes. But we may start seeing that a little bit. I'm not saying the sky is falling, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not by any <laughs> no, means. I don't think so here. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, people, what ends up happening is in these really great markets when interest rates are so low and, you know, people end up refinancing, leveraging their homes, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, they get behind and, you know, they don't have any skin in the game. So yep. they, they want to walk away, you know, and, and, but I think what also what you're saying, Adam, is that when you, even though you've got mortgage insurance and even though the lender is covered, you know, if there, if there is a, a loss on that, you're, you can still be liable as a, as a borrower. Correct. Yes,
2: that's right. You're talking about a defi- deficiency on the Correct. amount that's yeah. due. Yes. And essentially what that is, is um, when you take out a note, you start making payments on it and that, that balance continues to go down. At some point when you stop making a payment, that is the, the balance of your note. Um, if there's a foreclosure on that property that uh, it's sold at an an amount of money. And if that amount of money doesn't equal or exceed the amount of the remaining balance on your note, uh, if you were to take the, the note balance minus the amount that the house was sold on that, that, that leftover margin is called the deficiency. Mm -hmm. And that becomes important when it comes to mortgage insurance, um, uh, mainly because that is a part of what um, mortgage insurance companies look at on whether or not they are able to collect.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking to Adam O'Rourke, the Bill O'Rourke Law Firm. And, uh, again, if you have any questions, any law questions, give us a call. 303.
0: News Talk 710
1: KNUS. I'm Gary Lorman. Join Dan Palomino and me here on News Talk 710 KNUS every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 for Colorado Dreamhouse Radio. We know real estate, especially Denver real estate. We're the Colorado Dreamhouse team. We're local. We'll be talking about one of the hottest real estate markets in the country. So join us Sunday mornings from 8 to 9. News Talk 710 KNUS Colorado Dreamhouse Radio. Real estate that matters to you. When looking for a mortgage loan, there's one person you can trust to get the best loan possible. Andy Jorgensen at Guild Mortgage will make sure you understand all of your options during this life-changing event. And if you're looking to refinance, Andy will walk you through the process step-by-step. You got questions?
3: Andy's got the answers. Owning a home is a dream. Andy Jorgensen at Guild Mortgage will help you make that dream come true. Call Andy at
1: 720-638-4501 or visit him online at guildmortgage.net forward slash Andy
2: Jorgensen.
1: Now, back to Dan
0: Palomino and Gary Lorman. Colorado Dream House Radio on News Talk 710 KNUS.
1: Good morning, and again, I'm Gary Lorman, and with me is my guest co-host, Dan, yeah. (laughs) You know, you. I'm still here. (laughs) Adam O'Rourke. Adam, it's great to have you here this morning. So we uh, we haven't gotten a, a correct answer on our trivia question today. And the trivia question is, Alaska is A, the northernmost state of the U.S., B, the westernmost state of the U.S., C, the easternmost state of the U.S., or D, all of the above? If you think you know the answer, call us at 303-696-1971, and you can win a $25 Amazon gift card. So, again, give us a call. We'd love to have you win that card. And um, we're going to get back into some legal issues dealing with residential real estate. And uh, Adam is going to be talking about stuff that he deals with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's see. We were just talking about mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, what else now, with mortgage insurance? So let's address that further. Um, is there, if, if, say you do lose your house and the, the, the bank ends up selling it and there, there is a, a, a deficiency mm-hmm. on that, you know, between what you owed and what they sold it for. And can they come back on you for that? They can come back on you for that.
2: So what usually happens is that the the lender, once they've received their mortgage insurance payment, they've cleared all the all the uh, uh, dealings that they have with a the borrower, they they are done and ready to walk away and don't want to uh, you know uh, handle any other issues with 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 the borrower at that point. And they'll usually indicate that to them that everything's good, we're square, let's let's move on with things. But what you're indicating is. is is that the mortgage insurance cert- cert- company certainly has an opportunity to collect again on the imbalance that that, w- that they paid out on their what they call a claim payment uh, for the for the default on that loan, um, and and what people run into with that is it usually doesn't happen. Too soon after the foreclosure, uh, mainly because of the fact that uh, if the mortgage insurance is going to ask you to pay 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 them for the the coverage that they've provided, um, they're they're going to want to ask at a period of time after a period of time when they think that you might be able to b- make those payments at that point. Uh, and so usually, what uh, people will find is that those uh, requests for payment will come uh, four to five years later. Uh, after that, hope in in hopes that they the uh, borrower will be in a position where they'd be able to make payments at that point. All right. Now, one of just one more comment mm-hmm. on that, at least is um, you know, when they, when they're reaching out to you, they certainly want to make an, an arrangement for you. That's, that's um, uh, valuable to them, but also feasible for you, for the borrower. And so um, you know, if you, if you do run into a situation where you receive that um, uh, notice or, or, or demand letter um, certainly uh, responding is a good way of uh, being able to, you know, manage that in a, in a positive way. Um, because what mortgage insurance companies are able to do is to be able to go and get a judgment, uh, at that point. And then of course, uh, you know, when you, when you're talking about collection on a, on a judgment, you're talking about garnishments of, mm-hmm. of wages and bank bank accounts and that sort of thing. And, and, um, you know, when, uh, when when you're dealing with that situation, that can be more scary than actually just getting on the phone with them, saying, "Hey, I can make a certain type of payment or arrangement," and uh, and and dealing with them because they'll usually work with you. They'll work with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, before we go further, let's uh, let's get with Brenda in Denver. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning.
2: Good morning. I love your show, even though I don't have any interest in buying a home or anything I love so much I think it's fabulous
1: well, I'm glad you um, listen we appreciate you listening
3: Well as you were reading them off I was going okay westernmost check easternmost check so I'm going all of the above
1: Well yeah. correct. All right. correct you are yes, a I
3: know my globe the world is round after all That's right
1: You know and our first caller was actually correct too when he said northernmost but you know I I didn't want to give it away I couldn't say yes that's true I mean even though that was part of it but that wasn't the exact mm-hmm. answer so I Yay. appreciate your calling in and Ty is going to get your information and we will great. be sending you a $25 gift card from Amazon. So thanks
3: for the great show every day, uh, every uh, weekend.
1: Well, we appreciate you listening. Thank you very much, Brenda. Congrats. And, um, uh, do we have, uh, Steve out yet from, uh, Guild Mortgage or. Okay. So we're going to go on and as soon as Steve calls in, we'll, we'll get our mortgage segment going. Um, so when you're dealing back back to um, mortgage insurance, when you're when you're dealing with that with a deficiency, is there any type of statute of limitations that? Where they can come back on you afterwards? I mean, do they have so many years to do that?
2: Yes, that's that's uh, exactly what it is. It's a statute of limitations, and each state has its own uh, set number of years that um, uh, uh, someone can collect a debt from you. Um, in the state of Colorado, it's six years, uh, and that's and, and uh, now one of the things that I always caveat when I'm talking about statute of limitations on debt is that uh, a statute of limitations means the period of time that the um, the the lender or mortgage insurance company or any other type of credit card company um, can actually bring a, a, a litigation against you to create a judgment against you at that point. Mm-hmm. The debt necessarily doesn't ever go away, but you won't you won't have to deal with them potentially bringing a, a lawsuit uh, and trying to collect against you at that point after whatever set period of time that is based on each state. Okay,
1: mm-hmm. okay, all right. Um what else would you like to say about uh mortgage insurance Adam? I mean
2: well I mean mortgage insurance I think uh, one of the other uh, questions and and we could certainly talk about title insurance is uh you know is it really necessary mm-hmm. uh and and in a lot of ways uh, you know y- it is. Um, A a lot of uh, lenders require it either way, uh, title insurance or if we're talking about mortgage insurance. Um, But, uh, you know, mortgage insurance is is a nice tool to be able to continue um, just the operations of the lending process.
1: Yeah. We may say it's not necessary, but it's mandatory by by the lenders. Yes, In certain situations. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on your, your equity position in the home.
2: Yep, and, um, and depending on the actual investor behind the lender, right. um, we'll, we'll decide you know what type of percentages you have to be able to put as a down payment, mm-hmm. um, uh, what other requirements they have. All right. Well, we've got we've got Steve
1: on the line with Guild Mortgage. It's Steve the Mortgage Man segment now, rather than Andy the Mortgage Man. Good morning, Steve.
3: How you doing this morning, Gary? Sorry for the uh, confusion uh, and a little bit late coming on, but uh, yeah, how are you doing? All right.
1: Doing great. We've got Adam O'Rourke on the show with us today instead of Dan. As you know, Dan and Andy are both uh, in, southern, in some kind of a tropical climate somewhere.
3: You know? I think Andy's cruising around the Caribbean somewhere as we speak right and
1: now. Dan's in Hawaii. So, uh, you know, but we're here in uh, beautiful, chilly Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I, I understand you're going to be talking about Chaffa this morning. Is that correct? Yeah, I've got a, a couple things
3: we'd like to talk about. Um, you know, as, as you know, Gary, we here at Guild like to uh, let our uh, buyers and clients and uh, partners know about all the latest and greatest changes that are coming out that could affect them. And we had two, uh, in our opinion, pretty big uh, headline changes this week. Um, number one is CHAFA. And number two is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac came out uh, and announced their loan limit increases for next year. Um, So the first one I want to talk about is CHAPA. Um, CHAPA's headline this week was they are making some changes to how they do their down payment assistance programs for next year going forward. Unfortunately, the change is uh, related to how they do their lender credit or borrower premium based on their down payment assistance. With CHAPA, the last year or so, you've been able to take a 3% grant and 2% lender credit for a total of a 5% down payment uh, assistance. Going forward, they're changing that to only the 3% grant and are now going to have just a 1% lender credit.
1: Hmm. Okay.
3: So basically what that is going to do is it's going to place a higher importance on borrowers uh, who are using the down payment assistance coming up with additional savings to cover that that gap that that 1% uh, that, that has been taken away is no longer going to cover, or it's going to place greater importance on the need for uh, buyers to request uh, additional seller concessions with any accepted purchase contract.
1: Okay. All right so that they want the buyers to have more skin in the game is that basically,
3: well, I think it's mostly related to the changes in the bond market here over the last uh, couple of weeks. As you all know, the election kind of threw the market into a little bit of a tailspin Mm -hmm. and, um, the bond market has kind of gone a little bit crazy for us, and I think this is their adjustment to kind of protect them against you know, future unexpected increases going forward. Okay. Um, we have received some news that they are working on some additional options that could come online later in the year, um, but this is, uh, I think, a reaction to the changes in the bond market and the need to kind of protect their ability to continue offering down payment assistance going forward.
1: So we were looking, you know, I was looking at the market this week, and it, it looked like jobs reports came in, unemployment came in low, but then if you really dig in it dig into it further, what it was was that more people left the workforce rather than more jobs being created. you know so so it really was kind of a, a false indicator, I think. I mean, is that what you guys were seeing?
3: You know, I think you're right on that. I think it was more of a, a flat a flat report as far as kind of more of a, a ho-hum situation for the markets. Mm-hmm. Um, the big headline that, you know, made the big moves for the, the real estate market as far as interest rates go was the election. Um, we've seen some settling down in the last week or so. Um, and thankfully we did get a, a fairly, you know, level uh, jobs number here on Friday. I think if it had come in, you know, a little bit over expectations, we could have a, a fairly interesting week ahead. Um, but both Andy and I are big believers that we're going to see some kind of settling down in that, uh, in that uh, and we're going to see kind of a, a flattening out of rates over the next couple of weeks to months uh, going forward. We just don't see the market and the interest rate market really continuing like what we've seen in the last couple of weeks.
1: So right now on a thirty-year, I think we were talking about four and a quarter last week. Is that still about the same?
3: Yeah, we're right in there at four and a quarter. Um, you know, give or take, depending on your credit and a few other situations. But yeah, the average thirty-year fixed rate is at four and a quarter right
1: now. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, Adam, you have any questions for Steve? No. No, not at this point. So we were just talking about um, about mortgage insurance premiums, Steve. You know and why they're <clears throat> why they're needed and who needs them and who wants them and who doesn't want them and, you know. well yeah. nobody wants them correct I mean you <laughs> no, know, know the investors, the investors want them you correct know. <laughs> um, it's
3: there mainly to protect us as the lender and investor uh, against you know default um, when when a, a borrower forecloses, it, it can po- it can cause uh, big problems for the lender if there's no insurance there to help protect against loss, and that's mainly what that insurance er- is there for, is to protect against loss from a potential, you know, foreclosure situation.
1: Correct. That's what we were just saying. And then, uh, you know, we were also talking about that there could be some repercussions back to the borrower, you know, if they shell out a deficiency. And, I mean, do you ever see that much? Have you seen that?
3: You know, over the last uh, five or six years, you really haven't seen a lot of that. Um, I have started to see some lenders, you know, trying to collect for deficiency. Um, But right now, I really haven't seen a whole lot uh, in the last couple of years of that. We may start to see that, you know, going forward a a little bit more. But um, based on what I've seen, I really haven't seen too many lenders coming back for deficiency here in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm.
2: And Steve, correct me if I'm wrong. Lenders want to lend, right? They don't want to be in the collection business?
3: Yeah, that that's absolutely correct. No lender wants to chase someone down for that payment, you know. Right. Uh, it just adds additional cost and additional headache for all parties, and no one wants to be in that situation. You know, lenders are in the business to help people, you know, achieve the American dream. The last thing they want to do is have to take ownership over someone's home. Right,
1: right, yep. Now, I was also saying we just actually got a call this past week on a foreclosure, which we haven't gotten in, in a couple of two, three years now, you know. So it's yeah. – uh, You know, we may start seeing more of them.
3: We may. um, You know, we'll just have to kind of see how how the the market and economy goes. I mean, I think uh, here in Colorado we're a little bit insulated right now because we have such a strong economy and jobs market. Um, So I think we'll be a little bit more protected than some other areas of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're right. We'll just have to see how it goes over the next couple of years. Sure,
1: sure. Well, as always, we appreciate you being on the show. And, you know, if if, if anybody uh, has any questions of Steve, they're welcome to call in right now at 303-696-1971. Or if you'd like to talk to Steve or Andy, um, what's the best number to give out for you, Steve, since Andy's not available?
3: Uh, today I can be reached on my cell phone, which is 720-935-6452. Uh, and Monday through Friday, I can be reached on my office at 720-638-4504.
1: Okay, so yeah, give Steve a call if you have any mortgage questions. They're they're Guild Mortgage, and they're a great a great company to work with. So, Steve, thank you very much.
3: Appreciate your time today, guys. Thank right. you very much.
1: Enjoy the day. Enjoy the uh, Bronco game today.
3: That's exactly what I'm planning to do. There so you go. you as well. Thank you All very right. much. Thanks, right, right. Steve. Very good. Thank you, guys.
1: Bye-bye. All right, so Adam, let's uh, let's get back into the subject at hand, which is uh, real estate law.
3: <laughs>
2: sure. Um, well, so. I'm I'm glad that Steve and I agreed on on, on our details on what mortgage insurance does. So I was, it was nice to have someone to, to back me up on on my comments there. So that mm-hmm. was perfect. So mm-hmm. yeah, and he know he he know I'm sure he's a wealth of knowledge on on how how all that works as well. Oh so. yeah,
1: yeah. Now, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's something that I think that we all have to deal with is, you know, is yes, mortgage insurance policies and premiums. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and nobody, like you say, nobody likes them. You yep. know, I mean, you either rather get in without a mortgage insurance premium if you can. Sure. And there are ways to do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why talking to somebody like Steve or Andy, they can walk you through that and help you get around the mortgage insurance if you can, if it's possible. They'll be able to help you do that. That's right. All right. So what's another subject that comes up? with you frequently?
2: So one of the, one of the fun ones I get is, uh, Hey, I've got a friend who can't get lending. I'm going to sell them my house. Is it okay that I do uh rent to own installment long loan con- or installment land contracts, uh, contracts for deeds, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a really interesting, uh, situation because what most people come into my office thinking is, Hey, if they don't pay me, I'll just I'll just kick them out, mm-hmm. I'll, you know I'll, I'll evict them, and that'll be an easy process, and and uh, we'll move forward because I'm just their landlord until I give them then the deed to uh, and and for many of the individuals who come in uh, a deed can mean many different things uh, exactly what uh, what they're actually giving them, but in, in fact this situation gets really really difficult because you're actually giving over partial. Ownership to your to your property when you do a, a an installment land contract, um, you're giving the equity po- uh, portion of the, of of your uh, property to them just based on that contract. Now there's there's arguments around whether or not that uh, that installment land contract needs to be recorded, That's or if there should be a deed, you. or yeah. that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 it, depending on which side you you fall on, if you're the buyer or, or, or the seller or, or the landlord or tenant uh it, it, it will depend on which position you should take right, if you're the it's buyer you wanting. want to
1: record it recorded. if you're the seller you don't want to exactly yeah.
2: exactly and so um uh so from that standpoint you know when we're talking about installment land contracts you're you're now a co-owner even if you if it looks like a rental situation you're now a co oh, owner and and uh there's lots of implications to that that um need to be worked out before you do any of that contracting
1: okay all right, well, we're going to take a short break, and we'll come back and, and, and talk a little bit more about this. This is actually a pretty complex subject, but uh, if you'd like to give us a call, give us a call at 303-696-1971. 303-696-1971.
0: We now return to Colorado Dreamhouse Radio with Dan Palomino and Gary Lorman on News Talk 710
1: KNUS. Again, welcome back to the show. I'm Gary Lorman, again with my co-host, Adam O'Rourke with O'Rourke Law Firm. Firm, And we're really glad to have Adam here today. Um, Dan, my my co-host and business partner, is on vacation. And Adam is talking about some legal issues that he has to deal with every day. If you'd like to call in, the number is 303-696-1971. Again, we are a Colorado Dreamhouse team. We're a real estate team. And if we can ever help you buy, sell, or invest in any real estate, please give us a call at 720-446-6325 or go to ColoradoDreamhouse.com. So what we were just talking about is um, ways to, to that somebody may sell a creative way to sell your property. And Adam was talking about a rent to own or an installment land contract or what we used to call a a wraparound mortgage, and and the reason we call it a wraparound mortgage is, in essence, what you're doing is you're continuing to pay your mortgage, but you're ta- you're doing a contract for deed, in essence. Mm-hmm. So so you're in turn, we just if you picture wrapping around your existing mortgage. Now most mortgages have what we call due on sale clauses in them. That's correct. You know that says if if you sell your home, I want to get paid. The lender's saying, if you sell your home, I want to get paid.
2: The whole mortgage is due.
1: Yeah. So when somebody does um, an installment land contract, wraparound mortgage, um, and and they're basically saying, I'm going to sell you my home. You're going to pay me uh, 5%. I'm actually paying my lender 3%. I'm making an extra 2% on the money. I'm not going to give you the deed for this property. I'm just doing a contract for deed but like you were saying somebody sometimes they can record that deed sometimes they don't so but there is liability on the seller's part because somebody could come in and say i actually own a portion of this property that's right now the other liability is that if if a lender caught wind of that with a con, with a due on sale clause can they come in and and force for basically, forced payment of that loan.
2: In in many ways, they can um, just because of the fact that that's that's what the contract was listed at. Uh, if it, you know, when it comes to contracts, you're really looking at exactly what that due on sale clause will say, um, because not every one of them is written with the same language, and that you know, every court is interpreted it exactly the same way. Um, but a due on sale clause really does, in the broad sense, give them the ability to be be able to. Um, go ahead and and say, Hey, I'd like to get paid on my, on the entire loan. And, and uh, you know, you need to figure out how you're going to do that. Now there, there's lots of discussion about you know, whether or not a wraparound loan will will cause that due-on-sale clause to be triggered, uh, mainly because of the fact that you're still performing your obligations and you still have ownership of that home. Uh, And so have you sold enough, uh, you know, the the discussion is kind of around have you sold enough of your home to now become, you know, where you would trigger that due-on-sale clause uh, and have that issue. So, um, you know, that's why you know, installment land contracts, wraparound mortgages are kind of a, a a scary issue as far as that goes. But the, the, the way that it sounds like some of those conversations are really coming around to is, as we were discussing in the, discussing in the break is that most people are coming around to, Hey, we can still do wraparounds. Let's continue to do them because there was a period of time where nobody was doing these types of loans. Um, And now people are kind of going, well, let's, Let's see what happens. Let's test the waters and um, see if the lenders
1: really—that's
2: ex- right—exercise right. that clause. That's right, because yeah. there there is a, a, a policing issue for the lenders uh, to know whether you know what else is happening on on that property, even in the re- records. Uh, uh, lenders are, are in the uh, business of lending; they mm. want to push money out, and they want to uh, um, you know get people into homes and that sort of thing. They don't want to have to be going back through the. Te- through the records uh, and trying to figure out whether or not, um, you know, someone has sold a, a, the home. They want to be notified if mm-hmm. that is the case and they want to get paid at that point. And so um, the, the reason that these are kind of difficult situations is because most of the time uh, people aren't notifying the, the original lender because the lender is still getting their payments. And so the lender is not too worried about the situ- situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. All right. Well, very good. Well, I think what we're going to do now is we're going to we're going to be in our final segment here, and this is a um, this is when I read one of the questions we got from our stump the pros, and this came from uh, Margaret in Highlands Ranch, and this is a marketing question, actually a determining price question. So she writes, uh, and this is a question we get quite a bit. Can I determine how much my home is worth from an internet website? What do you think about that, Adam?
2: Uh, initially, you can
1: yeah well, we'd say no, but no. otherwise, <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, and, and the reason reason we say that is you know, most people that are looking at homes or looking to sell their homes, first thing they do is they go to Zillow and they get a Zestrade, that's right. you know and um, sometimes they're close. It, it really depends on the type of property. If you've got a unique property, they're not even in the ballpark. No. Mm-hmm. If you're in a subdivision that's got, you know, seven of this one particular model and seven of another model, you know, they can get kind of close in value. Sure. But then you really need a real estate professional to come in and really break it down to your property specific. That's right. You know, to the condition, to the location, to, to all of that. Um, you know, we, we look at, um, I, I think it was the, uh, gosh, was it, was it the, the, the CEO of Zillow or, or that uh, tried to sell his own home about a year ago. Uh-huh. And, and he, he put it on the market at the Zestimate and he was, he couldn't sell it, could not sell it. It was almost a million dollars overpriced. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so he finally, he finally ended up getting a real estate professional in there and got it re, re reevaluated and got it sold. So, so always, I always recommend whether it's us or any other real estate professional, have a professional come in and do an evaluation on your home, and that'll, that'll serve you best. All right, so checking the poll question, it looks like we are still tied that um, people go to open houses, one, to see how their house compares to that open house, and two, to see what that particular house looks like. So that's the reason people go to open houses. Um, people like me that don't go to open houses, they, you know, they're not voting. You run them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's do some factor fiction. All right. In 2009, I'm going to ask you these questions. Okay. All right. And you don't have the answers. I, I don't. Didn't, I didn't give them to you.
2: That, that, that was right. smart.
1: All right. In 2009, there were more foreclosures in the United States than there were marriages.
2: Fact or fiction? Uh, 2009. I'd actually say that might be a fact.
1: True. There were, there were more, more foreclosures than marriages in 2009.
2: That's, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. And, um, I don't know if, uh, if the fact that they were getting foreclosures, people didn't want to get
2: married. That might be (laughs) (laughs) a circular situation here. (laughs) You know, it
1: was a little bit on the high side, I don't know, but, um, all right. Number two, a typical home size in many developing countries is about 150 square feet. Fact or fiction? Let me get this
2: uh, fact.
1: Fiction. Actually, it's only 75 square feet. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? Before we leave, I want you to give them your information, so if they have any questions, go ahead. Okay.
2: Uh, you can reach uh, out to us at uh, www.yourdailycouncil.com. Uh, phone number is also 303-848-2907.
1: And thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We'll see you and talk to you next week.
0: Like it is, News Talk seven hundred and ten, KNUS Denver, the. New-